worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put the rest your fears There's no need to panic if you let miss your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd that means it's time for a new episode of the it's canon podcast the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture the podcast where we talk about all things movies all things comic books all things video games all things books all things everything because it's all in canon we're your hosts i'm boris and as always i'm joined by phil Hello, hello, all you people. And Boris. Yes. Hello, Phil. How's how's everything? Uh, I'm I'm doing wonderful. The weather's turning. I'm happy to have it not be minus ten, minus twenty. All of these nice cold temperatures. I'm happy to have the warm weather here. Yep. Warmer. Uh, agreed with you. So we have quite a show for everyone. We have a show where we will be talking about our lives because apparently people want to hear about those i don't want to hear about my own life but you the listeners asked so the listeners will get we're also going to be talking about nintendo in the marketplace we're going to be talking about rumored devices the differentiators why nintendo is so different from microsoft and sony we're going to be talking about privacy because the cloud is becoming a bit of a concern as are foreign countries we're going to be talking about HBO's and Warner Brothers and DC Comics uh, parent company getting in trouble by the SEC. And if there's time, we're going to be talking about Disneyland and California reopenings. But we'll see how we do on time. Uh, yeah. What a week. What a week. What, what a week. week. What a week. What a week. It's been... Uh, it's been something. So, uh, yeah. I don't know where to start. <laughs> it's funny because... Well, you know. One of the things that uh, I was doing a guest spot yesterday on another podcast, uh, talking wrestling and all that fun stuff, and they were asking me about like my podcast, like the wrestling one, and I record it the exact same way that I record this podcast. One take, one or two takes. If we screw up or whatever, you know, I'll... Rewind, I'll stop, rewind, make the live cut, and then we continue. Um, the hosts of that podcast thought I was insane for doing it like that. And then they asked, how do I pipe in the music? And I'm like, it's all live, everything. Like, you hear what we what we hear. So that's why, like, sometimes you'll hear one of us talk or cough or something during the intro and the outro. This is why, like, I'm very careful about the intro and the outro as well, because I can't that i cannot touch um yeah so apparently we're insane for the way that we record oh it lends to authenticity right at least for me and and that's the feedback that i get from people who listen that they go it's it's like actually 
sitting with us and having the same chats like like it's just structured that we're on topics and we're getting to certain destinations with what it is that we want to express but overall like i, I think it's just you know a great way to to have uh, an inviting conversation right yeah exactly um but yeah it's just kind of funny that that was kind of the feedback that I got from them. I was like, you're insane. Not in a bad way, but, you know, I think that that kind of yeah. raised the appreciation they have for that show more, knowing that it's all done on the cuff, knowing that, you know, it's all one take, two, three, max, maximum. Um, and it's also the other thing is that the wrestling show I record Wednesday night, uh, typically we don't start until 12, 1230 Thursday morning. So... You know, Ugh. we're recording until for an hour and a half. I keep that show 90 minutes max. Like, you know, I don't... Here's the thing about the wrestling show. The show that we review is in two hours. If my show is as long or longer than the show I review, that's an issue. So, you know, we're typically 90 minutes. <laughs> and then I do the minor tweaking that I do. So I do sound normalization, which basically means that, you know... It levels things off, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. um, and then I deliver it to the uh, to the to the owner, and uh, we kind of take it from there. But uh, yeah, so I think that's the other thing. I'm not gonna sit, be sitting around until you know three, four in the morning, recording, editing, getting something ready for a seven a.m. delivery. So yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's kind of funny because when we did our Mandalorian shows, we definitely exceeded the show runtime with our episodes. I know. <laughs> That's what I started laughing about because I'm like, I remember you making comments. like. <laughs> oh, I, I always made those comments even as we recorded the shows. It's like, it's amazing that yeah. here we are, 90 minutes in a conversation of an hour-long show max. Max, yeah. Like, I'm like, a lot of those shows ended up being a lot... Shorter and even with WandaVision, I know we're going to talk about that later in the week because it finished its season off uh this week and probably the whole series, apparently. Yep. Um, they um, their show times were rather deceiving because they had the two sets of credits, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was kind of like I feel like we're hitting the end of this show and it looks to be about in the middle, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like. Exactly. It was just funny with how many things happened in that show with the commercials and and other things that, I don't know, I, I guess people think that it's sometimes filler, but it's not. It, it was a, great, a lot of great fun, in my opinion. Exactly. So you did bring it up. I'll talk about it later, but I'll announce it now. We will have a special midweek. We're back to two episodes a week, as much as we can, as long as there's something to talk about. Um, so this week we will have a WandaVision recap review analysis uh, with some very special guests. You may remember them from the Mandalorian episode. Um, uh, and it's Brad and Lisa from Comic Book couples counseling um you know who better to bring on right oh yeah like um, well first off that that podcast that we had them on for the episode of the mandalorian there was my first time really interacting with them and i thought to myself in the back of my head we need to find ways to work with these people either have them on our show or do something that crosses over with them more frequently because they are just amazing people 
who are very well read, especially about comic books. But their concept for their podcast is fantastic. I do recommend you go check it out. Um, yeah, they're just a delight, and I think that they're they're going to have some takes on WandaVision that will expand our appreciation just like they did on The Mandalorian. Like, having them on that show, I think that was my least favorite episode to watch, and it ended up being one of my favorite episodes just because of their contribution. Yeah, exactly. And so we haven't really talked about, like, the details, but I have some notes some high-level notes written, and uh, I think it's going to be a great episode. We're going to get really in-depth into kind of like the thinking, into the uh, the relationship between Wanda and Vision. We're going to be talking about the relationship between Wanda and her parents, her brother, basically everyone in her life. We're going to be analyzing the shit out of that show, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, so uh, come prepared, Phil. Oh, I will. I will. Uh, I might have to do a quick little rewatch of key episodes. Yep. Again, I, I'm, but I'm going to be as unscripted and fanboyy as possible with this because there's no way I'm going to be able to match your nerd or their nerd uh, levels on Vision and and Wanda. But I have been reading the the comic book from from I guess 2015 that Vision run. And yeah, I'm enjoying my time getting to know these characters because one thing that somebody brought forward to me or to discussions that I've seen is that I guess it was one of the actors, uh, Paul Bettany was mentioning it or somebody was in the Marvel first that you actually get to focus in on these characters. Ah, that, that was the dude on Hot Ones this week, the guy who plays Falcon, the guy who's, who's, who's in everything. Anthony um, Anthony Mackie, he brought up the fact that we wouldn't get to know all this great stuff about Wanda or the or Vision if it wasn't for the show. And that's where these shows really give you access to secondary and third tertiary characters and really expands them. And, and it was already tragic what happened in Endgame and, and Infinity War and, and things like that between Wanda and Vision. And this show just gives you that next level access to those characters that just get so limited screen time when they're together with the ensemble of the Avengers. Yep. And we're going to talk about the comics a little bit, kind of the, the, the similarities and differences between the, the Tom King run in 2015. We're going to be talking the, about the West Coast of the Avengers. We're going to be talking about the pricing of the West Coast Avenger issues because they went, they have just skyrocketed um, on the fact that, some aspects of the show were based on some of those issues. But that's for Tuesday. Um, yeah. So, Phil, I feel really awake today. It's crazy. Well, I, I like this um, non-hungover time that we have the past couple of weeks. Oh, I haven't been hungover. I've just, I've just not been... I've been exhausted not sleeping. Um, the past couple nights, I've actually been sleeping better. Um, waking up my usual time, but just sleeping a little more, so I've been feeling a lot better. Um, I haven't had a good, good hangover for like a good month, month and a half, probably longer. Good. Yeah. No, no, I, I just find that sometimes we have low energy <laughs> at one o'clock, but really, we're clear everything, everybody's doing well. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you're getting the sleep that you need, because that was obviously concerning, because we've been talking about it offline. Uh, yeah, it's been blowing my mind, but I, I'm well rested. I love weekends because I get to just relax and take it easy. 
and get some sleep in and get some TV time in. Well, basically all week I've been doing TV time. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I know. It's been crazy. Even me this week, as as busy as I've been, um, I think just because I've been so busy and I have nothing else to do, I always have something on the background. How much I pay attention to it, that's a different story. But I mm-hmm. haven't, like, not known what's going on, right? Um, if we had to talk about something on the podcast, I wouldn't be able to. So, you know, that's kind of like the level of, of attention that I give things. Uh, there's, can I talk about it on the podcast or not? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 increasingly, I have to pay closer and closer attention to some things because we discuss them here. And sometimes it makes me give certain shows or movies a chance that maybe I'd kind of blow off. Yeah. Just because I've heard you guys reference it or I want to know more about it. And there might be something that I find repellent about it, but then it gets good. Oh, and this week, get this, right? I entered this uh, Instagram contest <laughs> for Beach. You... Hold on. Hold on. Is this the story that I stopped you earlier? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. We were gonna we were gonna do this off air, but we're gonna do it on air. So Beichu, Chim, Kimchi, I, I'll get the name straight because uh, <laughs> they're really nice people. I entered this contest for Kimchi, and they informed me that I had won. So they were like, yeah, Beichu, B-A-E-C-H-U, Kimchi. So they're, they're a Canadian company. Their stuff's really good. A friend of mine tipped me off to it, and we just started co-ordering it. Um, just because you need to have a minimum $60 purchase to get the free shipping. So, and that's like four jars of kimchi, which is a lot of kimchi. And I won this contest, and the nice lady there wants me to taste test the three different kimchis that she sent. And it's like um, a regular, an extra spicy, and a vegan. Because I guess there's like fish sauce in the other two, and they have a vegan option. So... Lo and behold, because I, I was in desperate need of, of my kimchi and wasn't sure when the free stuff was shipping, so I ordered some more. And she's like, I'm going to combine the orders. So I got seven jars of kimchi. All right. This is like... Now I'm treating it like weapons-grade plutonium because it's so tasty. It's so addictive. It's net carb neutral. Like it's one gram of carb, one gram of fiber. So it zeroes out for anybody counting carbs for snacks and things like this. It's very, very great tasting. If you've had kimchi before, you haven't, give it a try because it's amazing. But I'm telling you, I'm walking around like a hot air balloon. I'm just like, the amount of gas that I can process now is off the chart, man. It is a farty party. I can okay. tell you that. <laughs> Hilarious. It's not a good time that way. Well, it is, I guess, because it is. It does promote good gut health. Yeah. So I've given this thing uh, a playground to work with. <laughs> it's doing its job. Amazing. So good on them. It's classic. awesome stuff, though. That's a classic Phil story if I ever heard of one. Oh, well, a classic Phil story would be the way that I cleared a room or something like that <laughs> after eating it. But Yeah. Or the way that we destroyed the hotel room for a poor ex-wife. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget when I was a kid. I went on a trip. You know how 
in school, you'd go on trips in grade seven and grade eight, and they get increasingly farther and farther from home. Yep. And I'll never forget, and I think it was grade eight, we went to Quebec City. And, you know, there's three or four guys rooming up in each hotel room, and you know it's an inevitable den of shenanigans that's happening in any of these rooms. Like, it's total chaos for the teachers. We were probably just in their room drinking. And we had Doritos and those water guns that were motorized like they 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 were new at the time and they you could put batteries in them and they'd shoot like a ton of water yeah. and just be like they look like machine guns and the we the teacher came in because he knew something was going on and he walks in and it there's just stench of doritos and farts was enough to make him walk out I'm thinking that room is unusable now. Like they'll never get that smell out. I'm sure if you went in there today, you'd still be like, "Is there Doritos hidden in here?" <laughs> this reminds me of the uh, Bo episode of Seinfeld, the car. Yeah, just sticks with it. It, it, it. Yeah, kids do dirty things. Yep, Duh. they do. So, but yeah, what else is going on, Phil? Well, how's the week been? We've spoken here and there, but uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm watching the regular stuff, like WandaVision, uh, Resident Alien. I had some laugh-out-loud moments this week again. He, Alan Tudyk just does awkward so well in that show. Um, Snowpiercer, obviously big episode this week for me. Great episode. I, I was blown away by that whole experience and, and on the edge of my seat if, for either tension or grossness. If <laughs> you um, make a show... That only has Melanie slowly going insane. I would watch it a hundred percent. Yep, yep. She she did just such a, a she knocked it out of the park this episode. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's just it's hard too because she's you know because of the show she's not as prevalent right now just because of her character choices. So I was really thankful to get back to her because I felt the need to catch up with what was going on because that was definitely an angle for the show yeah. creators. Um, I got to ask you, know, WandaVision. you though, yeah. um, the whole previous to this episode, like last week, to be honest, this week's episode or last week's episode, you know, however you want to say it, yeah. I didn't watch on Monday night. Even though I was up, I didn't watch it. I didn't feel the need to. I didn't feel like I should. I didn't get the hook from the previous few episodes. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because this seems to be the feedback that I'm getting from a lot of people where, you know, they were kind of starting to cool off on the show. But then this week just mm-hmm. hooked everyone right back up. Yeah, you know, uh, the show for the past, not this past week, but the two episodes before that have slowly been unraveling for me in, in terms of the hook. You're right. It, it's I'm interested, but I'm not, you, you know, feeling like, oh, Today's Snowpiercer Day. Gotta find it. it. It's just like I'll be blasting around. And I've been watching it out of habit more than anything else. But I haven't found them very compelling. This week, I was glued to the TV. I was like, the tension, everything. It was just so well done. I enjoyed it uh, an immense amount. And yeah, not just because, you know, I have that childhood crush on Jennifer Connelly. It's just the virtue of the fact that I just think that she does a great job in this role. So I find it very interesting. And uh, WandaVision, which we're going to talk about later on, Muppet Show. But I did pick up two movies that I was a little bit surprised with. 
Mortal Engines on Netflix didn't suck. Yeah. Wasn't the greatest movie, but like if I'm gonna believe that there's a train circling the world, right? And and during a man made uh 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 Armageddon environmental Armageddon, then I'm gonna have to accept that cities can drive around like tractors. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I know, right? And then the internal politics and struggle there within. But once you suspend enough reality, uh, the show was actually all right. I, I enjoyed it. You know, it's kind of cheesiness, but it, it was fun. Uh, the other one that I kind of wanted to watch, and I finally gave in last night, and I bought it. Yes, I did buy it. Because I just can't be arsed to go and try to find it anywhere else, even though I know now that I bought it, it's probably going to be on Netflix next week. But that would be Monster Hunter. Yep. I've heard... I was curious. Very bad things about this movie. What did you think? I didn't hate it. Oh. It, 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 there was parts of it that I thought went way too deep into it. Like, the spider issue that they have in this world... Is definitely a big problem. <laughs> I don't know why they haven't solved that. But um, overall, I I was waiting for it to really take a turn to shit. But it ended up being about on par with most video game movies, which isn't saying that it's great. I'm not recommending the movie. I'm just saying that it was about on par with Resident Evil. You know, it felt Watchable. like because it's Mila. It's yeah. Mila, you're, you know, like, I'm just like... It just felt like that character, right? And and right. it was watchable. I th I would like to know more about the world. I would like to cinematically explore it a little more. There was there was things about it that were weird. But again, if I'm going to believe a city can drive around like a tractor or a tank, then I'm going to have to believe that that ships can sail on sand gotcha. and stuff like that. Yeah. So. There's some fantasy aspects to it. It's from the video game. The, oh, the the talking cat thing was awesome for me. But <laughs> yeah. it's a bit of a hook. <laughs> Ron Perlman did a great job as well. Amazing. So, yeah, there there's choices made for sure. I can see people not enjoying it, but I think that it it's it's awfully tough whenever you try to tackle one of these huge video game entities. They have a cult following. And I don't think you're going to please those fans. And I don't think you're going to get casual fans. So it it very much could be seen to me as missing a huge mark. But yeah. it was fun for a casual person who plays that shit. I'm like, hey, that was good. What'd you get up to? Um, So this week, last week, I finished watching that uh, Guinea and Georgia show on Netflix. It's pretty good. Exactly what I thought. It's like Gilmore Girls meets... Pretty Little Liars meets Degrassi meets, I don't know, something violent. It's weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's right up my alley. Um, yeah, teen uh, drama. <laughs> it's more than teen drama, but yeah, teen drama. Um, team angst at its maximum, to say the least. Uh, but uh, oh. So finish watching that. Um, I also watched all three seasons of a Canadian show called Slasher on Netflix. Pretty mm, good. Every season yep. is a different kind of whodunit. 
Um, what's cool about the show is that there's a lot of Canadian actors, um, some acquaintances that I recognize, so that was kind of cool. Um, and the other thing that's cool about that is watching people who were on Degrassi getting murdered or something like that. So it's like... <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that oh. was that. Uh, and then I started watching a French murder mystery who done it called Black Spot. Um, it's really good, actually. It's kind of like a more serious Twin Peaks. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's so far so good. I'm still only on the first season, but you know, all things point to it being good. So you know, that's that. Um, yeah, I've been super busy with work, like very little downtime this week. Um, actually, I podcasted quite a bit more than I wanted to. We uh, Monday night, <laughs> we did the interview with Carl, which again, I want to thank Carl. That was a really fun time. Um, uh, yeah, so we did that on Monday. Then on Tuesday, I had another interview with somebody, and that show is going to probably come on in not this Wednesday, but next. We talk about kind of like... You know, financial freedom, Generation Z, millennials, you know, and, and kind of how we approach life so different. But at the same time, respecting that some people just like the nine to five grind, but kind of how the, these new generations are changing the way the workforce works. Um, so a very different type of interview, but it's something that I know well. that like, you know some people are going to like so let's uh let's try it out and we'll gauge right that's that's what we're trying yep. we're trying new things on the show now so i did that on tuesday then wednesday i did my usual wrestling stuff um and then thursday friday i was super busy with with work and then that leads us into saturday and saturday i just did nothing didn't really watch much either i was watching uh reruns and rewatches of How I Met Your Mother. Ha! Always a good one. Always hey, I, good I heard, I, I know this is not in our list of topics, but I thought I read something this morning, and I thought it would be fun to just quickly talk about here on the show. Of course. And that is, there's a rumor going around that Sony is about to update the PS5 software and open up the um, SSD slot, enabling it, but part of this update is that they're going to have to increase the fan speed of your fans. Yeah. So your PS5 might get louder soon. Yeah. Because one of the things with this type of RAM that they're using for the SSD, it, it's, so hot, it's so fast, which is great, but it runs super hot. And as it stands right now, one of the fan units is on the actual SSD right now. Because if you take apart your PS5, not that I've taken it apart, but if you take the panels off, you'll see two big fans, right? One on one side, one on the other. Under one of them is the fan directly pulling heat off of the SSD. But with the um, expansion slot, apparently it's a metal door, but it's not got a fan over it. So the metal will dissipate a bunch of heat. Obviously, it will pull it off the SSD, uh, but it's still going to get to be a hot boy. So expect your uh, super quiet PS5 to potentially get a little bit louder. Yep. So and I'm, it sounds like this isn't going to happen until the the summertime, um, mm -hmm. but you know this gives them a lot of time to optimize things before uh, you know it goes to market because that's essentially was one of the 
I'm not going to say a selling point of the PS5, but it's something that consumers got wind of and really appreciated upon release. What's that? The fan right. speed, or like the found the fan sound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and oh, it's been it's been awesome for me. The only big knock is that you can't move the PS5 files. It's yeah. delete, or you know, you can't move them to an external hard drive. You can only move PS4 games. So it 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 gets a little bit confusing, and I feel bad for anybody playing Call of Duty on the PS5. Yeah, like what what's that thing? I think that tubby bugger is over four hundred gigs now. Yep, six hundred. The full game. Yeah, yeah, and you get six hundred sixty-seven gigabytes free on your SSD as it stands, and the full game is four hundred. Oh man, yep. that is that's insane. I I had to take that crap off my PS4 because it was ballooning up beyond 100 gigabytes. Yeah. See the issue there's kind of two pronged, right? Because these games are huge. They're going to get bigger. Um but also people want the fast loading times. So, you know, you're going to have to kind of what do you want, right? You can't It's one of those cases of you can't have your cake and eat it too. So, what can they do? Um, you know, I wish that Sony would be a little harder on some of their publishers or their or their um you know their 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 game their game publishers because you know it kind of brings a bad name to Sony at the end of the day. Sony gets yeah. the blame, not so much you know Activision or whomever is making the game, which is kind of weird. Yeah, uh, well, I definitely know to place my rage at Activision, but most people don't. And you know what? It was it was it was. It's been a, a fun experience these past couple of weeks playing around with the PS5. And I actually finished Dirt 5 this week. Um, and I've been playing a little bit of that Outriders demo. And yeah, there's been there's some interesting games coming up, but I feel like I've I've explored the entire PS5 catalog. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, I'm like alright, stop buying racing games, stop buying this. Like there has to be something that comes along. It's going to be actually next gen instead of just, you know, Godfall is a really weird game because it looks fantastic, but it plays like a little bit like garbage. Yeah. Hot garbage. But there is a good story in there. I'm just really starting to unlock that game. And I've been playing it for a couple of weeks now. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting because I like playing around with those PS5 titles because of that load speed just to see what things are going to be like. Yep. So, yeah, Dirt 5 probably had more loading than I thought it would have, but it was a fun game. I enjoy I enjoy the racing arcade simulators. Yeah. But, yeah. That's my oh. distraction of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, so, I guess, now that we're talking video games, we might as well keep going, keep talking about video games and now we're going to be talking about Nintendo and kind of Nintendo in the marketplace because Nintendo's always kind of been like the uh the 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 game changer um you know their systems aren't mainstream in the sense of you know they're not Sony they're not Microsoft but they're the OGs and if there's anything that Nintendo has done right is introducing new ways of playing video games new styles new um you know uh i guess uh just overall their experiences 
They're trendsetters. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. They're trendsetters. You know, look at the Wii. When the Wii came out back in 2008, 2007, whenever it was, you know, it was huge. The fact that, hey, you have these controllers in your hand. It's more interactive, you know, things like that. Um, that made things hard for publishers, but I feel like it was the decision at that point for Nintendo to kind of say, look, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to be different from everyone else, and you're going to like us because we are Nintendo, as opposed to, you know, we have the latest Call of Duty, we have the latest FIFA, we have the latest whatever port. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's different. They never got into the arms race. That's what I always liked about Nintendo. They just stay, stayed pure to the messaging of we're making games for gamers, like for kids, for adults, whatever, but we're doing games because we like doing games. We're not going to do games, uh, and they're successful because of that. I, I, I don't think that they, they really sit back and think, oh, let's get the fastest machine in production out there and things like that. They're making choices to make gaming portable, accessible, Things like that, and that's different, right? And they, they go on different release schedules. Yep. And know? for the most part, there's one thing that Nintendo does right, which for me is the biggest thing that Nintendo does, and that is how often I only know one game in all of Switch's existence that was broken upon release. Um, and it was a port mm -hmm. from next-gen systems that was WWE 2K18 or 19, I forget which one, doesn't matter, but that game was unusable. Um, but outside of that game, especially Nintendo games, you know that they're going to run perfectly. You know that there's going to be little to no issues with them. Um, you know, you never hear of the outcry that we get with other publishers. So, you know, that's one thing that Nintendo for sure has up on everyone else, in my opinion, is that you know you're going to get quality with the software as well. Yeah, 100%. And the experience, right? Like, when I sit down to play my Animal Crossing, which, by the way, this week, there's a whole huge Mario crossover happening, so I'm building a Mario room in my house right now. But when I'm playing that, I'm not looking for the highest fidelity graphics or anything like that. It's gameplay. It's fun. It, it's, you know, when I put in Zelda... I'm playing, you know, again, I don't care that it's not in 4K. I don't care about any of that stuff because it's simply astounding to me the way the grass moves and the way the environment, the world building that they're able to do that's different than almost every other game out there. And that's what I really respect about Nintendo is that they have that brand. They have that feeling. When I put on Mario Kart, I have, you're instantly going to have fun. Because it's Mario Kart. Like, there's no debating. There's no... And you can buy with that confidence. And yeah. I think that's your point. Is that you can sit there and you can go to the store and say, Hey, look, I know it's not going to go on sale because Nintendo almost never have sales. I know it, it, it's all these X reasons which maybe I weigh in on other video games or other titles where I have to evaluate my risk. But with Nintendo, it's like I know I'm going to have fun. That's the thing, right? If I buy stupid Mario Golf, it's going to be a fun golf game, even yep. if I hate golf. Yep. Like, that's, that's the way it is. Here's the thing. You go to a party, um, people aren't going to, you know, unless it's a bunch of dudes and you know you're going to be playing video games. You know, you go to a party, you're not going to see 
um, Call of Duty being played. You're not going to see FIFA being played. You're not going to see, um, you know, uh, Resident Evil remakes being played. But you will see people whip out a Switch, take out the controllers, start playing Mario Party or Mario Kart or something like that. So it's the ultimate kind of party system because they're easy games to play. You, you know, they have pretty rudimentary controls. Um, so it's the ultimate party system and the system that you can kind of do as a group, um, regardless of age, regardless of how often you game. And as you just said, you're going to have a lot of fun doing so. So, you know, Nintendo's kind of that system. So it's always been different in that sense. And I found that, you know, especially ever since Wii and Wii U and now Switch, they've kind of really positioned themselves as that other system you're always going to have a nintendo and something else that's what i'm noticing everyone not everyone a lot of people have nintendos if you know we ran down the sales numbers nintendo is just killing it in terms of sales it's unreal how good sales are for nintendo thanks to like pokemon animal crossing and etc and zelda's always there but like you know nintendo is just nintendo so Bloomberg, which is a very, very, very good source, they are starting to have more reports on what this Nintendo Switch 2 is supposed to be. Um, So the big rumor, and all of this is rumor right now, but with it being Bloomberg, I felt like it was credible enough for us to finally talk about it. So it's expected to launch sometime in 2021, and it's going to have a lot of the bells and whistles that people have been clamoring for since the original release in 2017 of the Switch. So the officially, the not official announced Nintendo console was rumored to have a 7-inch OLED, OLED screen from Samsung. Um, it's also supposed to be native 4K. Uh, it's also supposed to have a faster refresh rate than the standard 60 hertz. Um, so, you know, it, it's starting to sound really pretty damn good in that sense. So, bigger display, better screen, faster insides. What more can you ask for? You know, it's funny because... My uh, just my rudimentary roundup. I thought somebody had reported that the um, it's only going to be able to do 4K while it's in the cradle, and while it's out in the wild, the OLED screen is only capable of 720, and but it is OLED and it is slightly bigger. But regardless, no matter what, this thing is going to be able to because I can't imagine putting 4K on a seven-inch screen. It would not. It would probably look amazing, but you'd probably be hard hard pressed to identify that yeah <laughs> but uh it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna get into that hardware game that everybody's been wanting and that is those max resolutions for tv right and and i know that we've seen other rumors about them telling all their developers to have 4k versions of their stuff ready to go things like that so it's good to see nintendo are are releasing another product that kind of continues on their philosophy that we were talking about with not necessarily killing a product line, not necessarily competing with other people, but being able to complement things and being able to get a lot of good gaming out there, right? Because kids love the Nintendo Wii, parents do. Like, I know just watching my niece and her boyfriend, he likes to play Xbox. Guess what? She wants to play a game too. So she bought a Nintendo Switch Lite 
Yeah. You know, and started playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> so it was just, um, it makes gaming accessible. And that's one of the things I love about Nintendo. It's yep. just, you know, you can have fun with it. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. That'd be cool. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Animal Crossing in 4K. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of talk also because a lot of people have been asking kind of, you know, when is Breath of the Wild 2 going to come out? What's going on with that open world Pokemon game or Pokemon Breath of the Wild, as I like to call it, because it's supposed to, it, uh, it <laughs> draws all the comparisons to it. And there's a lot of speculation now that, you know, they've been working closely with Nintendo to be optimized for that new hardware yeah so that makes sense to it me makes sense you know so we'll see what happens there uh but yeah it's it's gonna be good times for me for for sure um i'm really looking forward to it and again you know it it keeps the nintendo fresh it keeps the nintendo good it you know will for sure people are gonna be rebuying the nintendo in fact i can see a lot of people who bought the nintendo switch Lite buying this one because they really yeah. enjoyed the switch i will probably upgrade to this because i have nothing better to do in my life nowadays yeah i i could definitely see a lot of light users going to this as well um or even going to the regular switch nothing against the light i i think it fills a a, a void in the the little portable market the switch it's definitely, you know, the, the hybrid capacity of this thing or capability is definitely great. But I wouldn't want to play on a light just because a smaller screen, it's hard enough to see things as it is for me sometimes. But be no TV out. Yeah. That's the big feature for me. I really enjoy plastering a game up on the screen. It doesn't, you know, I, I even have Doom for... Um, for the Switch, just because yeah. I wanted to see what Bethsaida had to do in order to make it run on on the Switch compared to, you know, some something killer. It's interesting. Still very good game. Like you say, it's not broken. It works. They just cut down on the, the craziness of the mobs and things like that, so the processor could handle it better. Still yeah. a great game. Good environments. Yeah, exactly. If you didn't play the other game in the in the on the more horsepower systems, you wouldn't know that there was any compromise. You'd have a great time playing it. Yep, exactly. Um, so, I think that that wraps up the Nintendo talk. Do you have anything, any any final thoughts before we move on? Go Sega. <laughs> Man, I wonder... I love Sega. It's just too bad that, you know, Dreamcast, in my opinion, was too far ahead of its time. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. That I remember at the time thinking about because uh, uh, it was out and and the PlayStation was just coming out and Nintendo was doing its thing with cartridges and whatnot and I remember thinking that Dreamcast I don't know I really don't know Sega's just really lost the the lost their way over the past couple of years and then I went and I saw a friend with it and I was so blown away by it I was just like. Oh man, the shit is happening on this. And then it was and that was it when it was in decline. Like I was late to that party so I never got on the bandwagon. But holy cow, was the graphics and the animations and whatnot that that thing was capable of was light years ahead of anything else that was in the marketplace. And they had online games. Like they had Fantasy Star Online 
and it was amazing to play. Like, I gave up my N64 to get a Dreamcast. Uh, Juan, my brother, and I, we sold our, our N64, sold all the games, because we're like, we're jumping on this ship. So, 9999, September 9th, 1999, we, I went to the store to pick up our pre-ordered um, Sega Dreamcast. And I remember, it was fantastic. The first two games we got were Soul Calibur and the Sonic game. Sonic oh, Adventure. Man. Soul like Calibur. Soul Calibur. And then, eventually, we um, got Jet Set Radio, Space Channel 5. It was such a good system, way ahead of its time. And I don't care what anyone says, um, Capcom versus Marvel was fantastic on that system. Yeah. You know, it was such hey, you know, a good it, system. It's so funny because this week on Stadia, we got Pixel Junk Raiders, which is like the spiritual uh, evolution of Jet Set Radio. It's funny that you brought that up so haphazardly because we were talking about that and I forgot to mention it off the top. But yeah, Stadia had a strong week in game releases just not while we're still in video game land. Um, so good on them because... Every time you start to believe the doom and gloom that Stadia is dead because of all the haters like we talked about last week, um, they come out with these gems, man, each month. So yep. good on them. It's, I think it was like four games this week that came out, four or six or something. So, Yeah, like Stadia is going to be doing their thing. Like it's, it's, it, I, I don't see them going huge just yet. I see them hmm. eventually. So here's my prediction, my bold prediction about what the future of Stadia holds. I think that eventually they're going to sell themselves to Microsoft or Sony for the infrastructure. Um, you know, uh, what Stadia has done is the future. They That mm -hmm. is the future of gaming. Whether it be, you know, um, you know, if the option of owning a game hardware also opens it up to the cloud so as you're downloading a game you'll be able to play the cloud version of the game and i know that ea is going to be testing this very soon um so i can see the cloud being you know hand in hand with traditional gaming i can see you know there's going to be a lot of back and forth and but the cloud infrastructure that google has introduced it seems to be getting a lot more mainstream attention than people think. It seems to be getting a lot of attention to publishers. And as publishers are studying the APIs and looking at that technology, they're obviously talking to Sony and Microsoft to see what is available for them. So I can see Stadia kind of being like Sega in the sense of, you know, revolutionizing the game, changing things up, but never getting that like huge market that, Microsoft and Sony has. I just think that there's, you know, we live in a world where there can only be two. It has to be person A versus person B. Let's look at even the mobile phone world. It was always BlackBerry versus iOS. Then when Android became big, you know, BlackBerry was kind of tossed aside. Beta versus uh, VHS. You VHS. Know, like, you know, it, 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 there's oh, there can only be two. It's one versus two. So I kind of see that with the video game world, um, you know. And then again, go, kind of tying this back to the conversation we were just having about Nintendo. Nintendo is kind of like the the cousin that everyone likes. No one hates Nintendo. Mm -hmm. No one's gonna shit on Nintendo. But you know, they're never gonna be you know either one or two. They're the 
that third option that everybody has. Yeah, they're banging on their own drum. They don't care about the rat race. Yep. They're the exactly. hippie cousin that comes and sleeps on your couch. Exactly. You know, the, the, the fun <laughs> uncle that shows up, drinks your beer, and leaves in the morning. Wait, that's yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's you, too. Wow, how'd, you, how'd you get in my head? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, as we're talking about the cloud and cloud computing, um, you know, the cloud seems to be kind of like one of those major um, buzzwords that we're seeing a lot. We're seeing a lot of traditional software vendors move to the cloud. Even the company that I work for, we are now offering our solution on the cloud, working with cloud offerings um, because IT departments, you know, as they offshore IT departments, you know, it's a huge investment for a company to host the infrastructure in-house. So having a SaaS or a dedicated SaaS or some form of SaaS solution is turning into the future. So essentially that takes the onus away from the customer of maintaining and running and upgrading the system to the actual provider. Uh, in the mobile world, we're seeing a lot of apps use cloud solutions for their database because you know maintaining a database is, is super expensive so rather than hosting a server farm they're going to use a pre-existing cloud infrastructure like amazon web services um like microsoft azure etc 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 there's one thing though because this is all new people are still learning and mistakes can be made so what we're seeing is a <laughs> bunch of simple setup errors causing major source of exposures. And that's a lot of backends. So it's the essentially what people are doing is, and by people, I mean companies who have their apps in the cloud, is, you know, they're going on vacation, they're locking all the doors, but they forget to lock a side window. So, you know, a lot of people now are, and, and, and who, who like, to do nefarious things seem to be a step ahead of where security is. So they, you know, walk around the perimeter of the house and they find that half open window and they'll open that bad boy up. So there's a lot of issues happening right now with apps and info being stolen. Um, Zimperium ran automated analysis on more than 1.3 million Android and iOS apps to detect apps to detect common cloud misconfigurations that expose data. The researchers found almost 84,000 Android apps and nearly 47,000 iOS apps using public cloud services like Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, Microsoft Azure. Um, and there seem to be about 14% of those have issues with their configuration, Ooh. which leaves data exposed. So we're looking at about 11,800 Android apps and 6,600 iOS apps. And the information that seems to be exposed is users' personal information like passwords, uh, medical information, etc. This isn't small. This is fucking huge. Yeah. It's nothing like, because the thing is, is that there's no way for the customer to really identify the validity of apps as well, right? Because exactly. there are times when with certain apps where if I feel I don't trust the app or the company enough, like I just don't know enough about them, 
I'm cease and desist right there. I'm yep. like, I'm not giving them this information. I'm sorry, but I don't know where it's going. That's why I'm a little bit happier when I see apps work with other apps, i.e., if you go in and you order something, it says, instead of you filling out your credit card information on their site, it's like, ah, oh, we can use Google Pay. You know what I mean? Like, you can do the transaction through Google on a separate component, not in the app. You're not giving over your personal information in the app, per se. Now, I know there's probably all kinds of minefields in there, too. But I'm just saying, like, it's hard for the customers to know, consumers to know, how great of a program like app security has yeah because there's no validation for that other than it's protected on the play store or something like that right but and you don't know what is, their back ends are like yeah just because the app works doesn't mean that the back end isn't exposed to major threats mm-hmm. and there's no you know rules that forces app developers to have penetration tests and things like that you know from a enterprise world point of view you know, when it's B2B, business-to-business transactions, mm-hmm. you get asked that all the time. You know, I have to always give reports to my customers on our pen tests, penetration tests. Yeah. So essentially that means, you know, a third-party vendor is going to try to access all the windows, all the doors into your house. And you get a report and, you know, it's either you got to fix these things or, you know, Tough luck. Um, so there's all yeah. these third-party vendors. But a lot of app makers, they don't have the money for this. They don't have the resources for this. But I kind of feel like we're at a point now where there needs to be something put in place because, you know, having people's information just, just easily stored like this, um, you know, is, is, is a major issue. Like, you know, I haven't spoken about this with you in about 10 years. But look at all the issues we used to have with the Red Patch Boys website. Oh, God, yeah. You know, and oh all of the gosh. issues had nothing to do with our website. It was our provider for the longest time. Yeah, or or the software and the software fixes, right? Because there would be so many exploits on the database. Like, it was just unbelievable. And so we would always be in a state of, is there a new fix for this? Or And, you know, if you, you get to the new fix... You apply it, it's probably going to open up three or four more things that are going to break, right? So you're constantly putting out fires from that ownership side of, you know, you're providing the service and people are just complaining. Hey, my DMs don't work now and all oh, this has happened and all, oh, I can't follow this post anymore. It was it was a bit chaotic for that. And I can only imagine any, like, it's no secret, we both work in IT. And yeah, everything that you're saying, you're right, you know? I've been quietly, I don't really have direct input at my work, which is fine, about these kind of decisions, but I've just been in the back of my mind thinking, I hope everybody's investigating the the validity or the safety of all this, because it is a big shift moving all of this information into a cloud, right? Yeah. Or it's like everybody's moving away from having their own data centers. They're moving yeah. into distributed um, like you say, going to co-locations and things like this or cloud solutions. Oh, there's all kinds of, of ways to do this. And, and enterprises are doing it on a multi-channel level too. They're, they're backing up with a, a fallback that does something differently, but they're wanting to get out of the data center business. 
And yeah, that's the trend in IT. And I just hope that just like anything, when you start doing something, you find out quickly where the falling down points are. Yep. <laughs> and then it's no surprise in probably 10 years, we'll be back to data center solutions and that's... owning all of our stuff on site again. Like, It's funny that it's you say that. It's just amazing. I... I always say that about like IT world. There's these trends, you know, you know, where everything goes back in full circle. And I always make the joke that IT people, this is the way that they keep themselves employed. But it's, you know, IT people aren't the ones making the full decision. It's C-levels who may or may yeah. not understand what the implications are. But you're right. You know, right now, it's too expensive to host. So we're going to go to the cloud. We're going to have these co-locations of, of hosting services. And then once a lot of issues open up there and C-levels think that they understand what's going on there, they're like, no, I'm going to be smart. Let's own our stuff. So, you know, mm -hmm. there seems to be like this 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 go-around that's going to be happening every 10 it's to cyclical. 15 years. Yep. It's, always, it's so cyclical. Like that's, that's the one thing I've noticed in my... 20 plus years in IT is I've seen the trends go round and round and yeah, it just comes back to somebody's going to say, well, it'd be really great if we just had it all in house. <laughs> yep. Look, I've been working you know, professionally since 2005. So I'm nearing the 20 years and I've seen a few cycles go around. So it's, it's kind of funny yeah. to see kind of, you know, all of this happen. So why are we talking about this? Why does it matter to our listeners when you download an app just do a little research on the app that you're going to download. See how, you know, if there's any reports out, because sometimes these app developers will make their reports public. Um, take a look at the reviews. Uh, make sure you know what you're getting yourself into, because, you know, you're putting your trust, your full trust into these apps. Another thing, you know, sometimes you may want to not use your main email account. You may want to change up your passwords. There's a lot of things that you can do to protect yourself if you absolutely need that app, but you aren't sure, you know, um, there's so much that you can do. Uh, there's a lot of research that you should do before downloading apps or having a third party app connect to an existing app. That's why the apps that scare me the most are the ones with single sign on with Facebook and things like that, because you don't yeah. know what these third party apps are doing. And we don't know exactly what information they're getting access to. And it's not so much the info, it's where this info is being stored at that other location, you know? So it's, it's for me, it's kind of like very scary. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you just might want to do a little, do more research, switch things around, uh, because, you know, the last thing I want to hear is for, you know, going on Facebook and seeing more of my friends kind of getting duped, which I'm noticing that, you know, it, it seems to be there, there seems to be a rise of that. I've seen people kind of have their, even their Google, um, uh, accounts being compromised over the past few weeks. I, I I've seen mine, like people have tried to go at it, but I, I did a major overhaul Same. of a lot of my passwords and things like that over the past few months, just because I've noticed that it's on the rise. I've also noticed that there's a heck of a lot more um, phone scams going on and phone phishing because it's obviously tax season. And it seems like there are days where my phone gets blitzed like 15 times a day with CRA scams. You know, on the automated voice and all that crap. So, you know, it's garbage. But, man, there's got to be people falling for it because they're happening so much. 
yeah, so much number duping and oh. Yeah, I was watching a report that the number of people falling for these scams has skyrocketed with COVID. Now that everyone's home, you know, there's a lot more danger out there as well because, you know, people feel like they're like, uh, you know, that everything's the Wild West right now in terms of uh, security, in terms of fishing and things like that. So, again, just be careful. Be mindful. The government will never call you. A company will never ask you to transfer Bitcoin. Uh, never <laughs> ask you for your password. Always check the email of the sender. Um, there's so many ways that you can kind of protect yourself. And I hope that, uh, you know, before you do that click, always double check. Always make sure. And before you download an app, maybe do a little extra research. Maybe have different logins and different email, different different. Um, passwords, uh, two-factor authentication is what I'm using everywhere. Yep. Um, but I'm super careful because if something happens to my phone, I'm effed. But you know, it for me, it's just a peace of mind. It's so funny though. It's it's like how many times well, I I can remember like some of the phishing stuff that would go on. It would be like, well, they contacted you, and then it's the Bitcoin thing, and they're like, well, we have pictures of you looking at stuff on the internet, and your cam was on, and all this. And they've got, they got you because they've found, like, this really old password that you used to have, yep. so you actually do get scared. And you're like, screw this. Like, I don't even do that on that device or yep. anything. Like, I'm just... There, <laughs> this is, like, <laughs> on that device. <laughs> like, I am a human being. <laughs> But it's just so funny, right? Because I'm like, oh, man, this has got to be terrifying if you don't have yeah. any critical thought. Like, this is offsetting just because it's so manipulative and it's so convincing and it's so vague, right? It's it's just all these inferences. Like, we know what you did last summer. <laughs> I know. Oh, you know, man, I... I'm not worried about myself, but this is where I hate the fact that my parents use... Yes. Apps and tablets, and my dad uses a computer, and like I don't know, he's done stuff. He luckily he's never like you know get, uh, written off his RSPs or anything stupid like that. But I'm always afraid of what they're gonna click, what they're gonna call us for, um, you know. And I told him, look, if you don't, if if someone asks you for anything, let me see it before you respond. Yeah, well, I, I, how do you think I felt when my 82 year old dad says that he talked to the people at Google? And Facebook, and they were going to fix the ads on his machine. I'm like, who did you talk to? Exactly. What? Where was this conversation? And then I went in and surveyed it, and I'm like, oh, okay. So they gave him an automated message that they'd look into it. And he, he interpreted that whole exchange like a conversation. He told it to me that way. And I'm like, oh, man, I put a little bit of shit in my pants that day. But doesn't that go to show you how advanced chatbots are turning into? Like, where people are legitimately... <laughs> Uh, thinking that they're talking to someone on the other end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially the elderly and whatnot, because they don't understand. They don't even have the concept. I, I always find a bot, and I'm like, oh, can I break it? <laughs> it's getting harder and harder. Yeah, it is. So. And uh, that's something that I work with every day. It's like the companies that do the documentation and set up the databases and stuff like that, and they use our database and stuff like that for info that gets fed into the chatbot. So they're just becoming incredibly, like that's essentially your first line of support now. You're not even going to get a human. You're going to get, you know, the knowledge base articles into a, a robot type thing. Yeah. Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
All right, so that is privacy. And of course, you know, just be mindful, please. All right, so we're going to be talking about AT&T, and they seem to have done a bit of a no-no in terms of their stocks. The reason why we talk about AT&T is because it is the parent company of Warner Brothers, HBO, DC Comics, we talk about them. We drag them through the mud. So let's continue dragging them through the mud. Um, basically, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, is suing AT&T because they've provided non-public information to 20 different analyst firms so they would lower revenue estimates ahead of earnings. What does that mean? Wow. Yeah. That This is, you know, let's get through this. But this is a major <laughs> accusation and here we have a bunch of bastards getting pissed off at you know joe blow on reddit because they may have you yeah. know fudged the <laughs> market for saying. them um so essentially at&t uh or any enterprise any corporation at you know they have to give their estimates in terms of what their outlook is for the next quarter or two or whatever however many whatever um they have to give their outlook. And then the analysts take this outlook and they kind of gauge what your price is going to be, um, you know, based on your earnings. So if a company has lower expectations and they surpass those expectations, well, your stock is going to go skyrocketing. It's going to go up. It's going to bid, bode well for the company. Now, this yeah. is where BlackBerry had a lot of issues. Um, you know, the expectations were always high. So when we met or even surpassed those expectations, the analysts were upset because it didn't match what they expected would be the um, the numbers that they would reach. So everything kept blowing up in the downward direction. So this is all very important because this kind of gauges the markets. This is how companies and the stock market at the most basic level work. So you have AT&T kind of, number one, doing insider trading, um, sending info, undisclosed, unpublished, undeclared information to analysts and firms so that these analysts would lower the numbers for AT&T's mm -hmm. outlook. And then when AT&T comes out at the end of the quarter and in their earnings call come out with the real numbers they are much higher which means that the company value and the stocks and personal stocks will increase how is that how is this not front page news how is this not absolute federal charges yeah like this is this is the stuff that when you think about the stocks like right away we're gonna have federal investigation we're gonna open up all kinds of of investigation into the wrongdoing that's occurred because these you know these redditors they 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 put up the memes and they get the money and we don't understand it and it's manipulation and then you know the the big companies the corporations are blatantly doing this you know yep. potentially it has to be proven it's an it's an allegation that they're pursuing but obviously they feel there's merit to it so it begs the question if it's happening like this needs to be investigated similar to the stuff that went on with enron similar to all of that kind of stuff when you get companies at this scale doing that that is like that's the anti 
monopoly argument right there. Like that is feeding that beast and it's, you know, potentially ruining it for other big tech corporations like the Googles and the Microsofts and the Facebooks and things like that, because it's anti-competitive behavior. It's greed, pure and simple. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, it's absolutely crazy that this stuff is allowed to happen. And it's just a, a simple slap in the wrist when, if they get, uh, you know, well, yeah. guilty. That's the, that's the thing that pisses me off the most in, in reading about all this stuff. It's e even with the COVID kind of stuff, right? Like, how is it that you can sit there and in Canada, we have probably the strictest entrance into the into a country that you can have worldwide. Still not great, but they basically, you have to quarantine for at least three days and possibly for two weeks at a hotel when you get off a plane landing here where there's only four ports of entry, all this stuff that's going on, right? But get this, if you don't do it, it's a $750 fine. So what's the incentive? Like the fines have to match the punishment. And it's the same thing with these SEC fines and all that, where they're sitting there and they're going, well, that's a $5,000 fine. Yeah, and they made $20 billion out the door on this. You know, whatever it is, it's like five $5,000. Who gives a shit? Exactly. It's, it's just like the NHL taxing Ovechkin all this money. It's like a percentage of his pay. It doesn't matter anymore. It's You're going for principle. Well, principle's dead because politics have killed it. There are no ethics or principle anymore in this world. It's just all freaking bullshit and, and token payments now. Exactly. That's my um, rant. I love it. I love the fact that this is your week to rant. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I'll oh, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, that that's something that's happening. Um, we're going to keep following this story because, to me, it's super interesting. And, you know, I kind of want to see where this goes because this could affect uh, things that we talk about. Because you never know what can happen with these types of yeah. uh, court rulings. So well, well look at look at that, that that list, right? HBO, DC, Warner Brothers, like the, the stuff that this touches is way more than telecommunications or anything like that. Yep, exactly. All right, so the last thing on our list is California giving the okay for Disneyland and other theme parks and stadiums to reopen April first with restrictions as Phil seems super disappointed. Um, we're going to focus on California because, yeah, there's other things happening uh, right now. That just, just don't mention Texas. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's why I said that. Uh, so essentially, <laughs> Disneyland, Universal Studios, and other theme parks and sports stadiums in California can reopen beginning April 1st. Um, there will be some caveats. The health department is requiring significantly reduced capacity, mandatory masking, and other public health precautions due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. So the number of people and the capacity percentage will be based off of open number of cases. So the more cases there are in the public, the less people are going to be allowed in these venues. And it's going to be, you know, full on masks and other health precautions that will be put in place. Um, California has four tiers to their COVID-19 protocols. Um, they're colored and every tier kind of has like a, if California is in this tier, this is the percentage of capacity that you can have. 
Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, you know, California is Ugh. really starting the the opening, which you know whether it's right or wrong, I don't want to get into that discussion. But we are seeing things that we talk about kind of open up a little more because you know there's this this is this touches us directly here on this show because now we're going to be seeing more production there was a lot of production halts in california there um you know disney is making money again we're going to see sports stadiums mlb has already announced that the five california teams will have uh, fans in attendance which means that other things will be able to happen in california like concerts etc 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 interesting like i know that california a lot of that that state is very warm, open air. It's that time of year where we're starting, like we talked about off the top, it's warming up. And that's bad for coronavirus, as we saw when we saw it, uh, the numbers lower last summer during that. So I'm not like going to say, oh my gosh, it's a public travesty or anything. And these companies do need to make money and they do have these big properties and stadiums and and thing and products to get out there and and the longer we stay in lockdown for sure the more in danger it is but it is public health right and that's as long as people are being safe i can see that you know the, the issues that i have with what you read there was mostly around well you know the higher the case public thing the less people will have in the theme parks will restrict that and everybody has to wear masks well i can tell you right now COVID is not going to respect that there's less people or more people. And I can also tell you right now, when you put little kids and families in a theme park, there's going to be more times when that mask is coming off to eat the fucking ice cream, to have the hot dog, or because the kid threw up and the mask flew off on the ride. There are going to be so many cases of non-mask compliance that will potentially, I guess, enable the spread and yeah, it, it it's poised to be an absolute nightmare summer if these vaccines don't get in arms and, you know, <laughs> all, all the stuff that we're seeing in the world and these variants. And I'm like, but I, I understand it, though. Yeah. I get it. I don't understand in Ontario why we let big box stores open and we close down smaller shops. Yeah. There's when a lot the of smaller shops are probably like safer. And this is the thing that gets to me is that, you know, these um, stupid rules that very uninformed governments are placing on on us you know for example like you just said the big box stores being allowed to open rather than small businesses you know it hurts small businesses a lot more obviously we're seeing the actual um public being hurt more uh which you know leaves us a bitter taste in people's mouths but then these people turn around and become covid deniers just because your government is stupid yeah. just because your government doesn't know what they're doing and handling this horribly doesn't mean that this is not a real threat i'm seeing this correlation between anger at the government um you know and your belief on what's actually happening out there and they seem to be inversely proportionate because you know as your egg yeah. raises it's like fuck covid covid's not even real that's not the case the reality is that covid is very real um the danger is not so much on the human it is hospital capacity um you know the first line frontline workers uh their mental state etc 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 that's 
the real danger here. We're also seeing an increase of healthcare costs. We're also seeing an increase of pollution because of the one-time use masks and, and other stuff like that. So there's a lot of more to consider than just, I'm infected, I'm going to die. You know, yeah. it's it, there's more to that. And there's more to the reasons why we have lockdowns and restrictions. But because governments are being utterly irresponsible, utterly stupid, people are going and jumping on the denying bandwagon. Yeah, and that, that gives it air, right? And that's the biggest thing that I think even with the conspiracy groups and everything like that, that's the thing that I'm scared of the most for people is that exactly right, you know, you're mad at the government for their asinine idea or implementation of some kind of rule that seems to reinforce that they like big corporations and they're not really in it for the, the little guy. And then it becomes a full-on political battle for people. It becomes, then they're in the streets, like, fighting. Like, literally fighting people and insulting people and acting way out of character for what's, what should be allowed in our society, where you're just being downright disrespectful to somebody based off of, you know, what's a medical issue is now becoming a political issue. And my goodness, have we seen that a lot in the States, too. It's happening up here. It, it's 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 just really sad to see. We all want to be safe. We all want to be at work. We all want this to be over. But the more that we dance around being responsible, and the more we let our leaders do this type of garbage with their with the rules, then the longer this is going to be around. I'm I'm so fearful about a lot of that. But hey. I am excited about the idea that, like you were saying, there's more production companies going to be getting more TV and movies onto the screens for us. And yeah, it directly hits us for content. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. That's the unfortunate part. As long as, sh as, 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 or fortunate or fortunate, depends how you want to look at it. Um, you know, if the production halts and shit hit, keeps hitting the fan, we have something juicy to talk about. If everything goes back to normal, it's regular content for us. So it's kind of, kind of weird how that works mm -hmm. in our favor, regardless of what is going on. Um, but we'll see what happens there. I did mention earlier that I wanted to kind of talk about foreign hacking. Um, so before we go, we're just going to quickly touch on that. And there's a lot of more reports about, you know, the astronomical number of hacking that China and Russia is doing. Um, and to the point where agencies, government agencies, are saying it's going to take years to unpack and see the damage and info that they've actually stolen. So this goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of um, privacy and things like that. I think that, you know, another thing that people need to do on top of everything that I already talked about is always give yourself a good credit report. Always check that. It costs 30 bucks Canadian from Equifax or um, the other company who does it. You know, look into it. See what your report says. See if there's anything weird. Um, I'm, you know, right now fighting something that I saw years ago was reported. And it actually hurt my credit a little bit. Um, it's nothing major. But, you know, it's something that if I didn't see, it would obviously hurt me, you know, when I need something. So, yeah, right. so you so so that's where we're at. Like you have to be very careful, cautious, um, and 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 you know this is just something that we're gonna have to deal with at this point. Uh, you know, it's the Russian and the Chinese hacking has stretched like years, and it's become very evident that you know we can't keep up. 
government agencies are trying to are you know obviously trying to stay ahead of things but like i mentioned earlier hackers and people who want to do something nefarious are always a step ahead yeah they define the race and we react to it right yep it's just like with antivirus software and things like that they only know to put an antivirus in there if they know what the virus is so always trailing it yeah and exactly. these uh these entities are very creative at getting ahead of things uh, of imagining you know just look at that whole solar winds <laughs> exposition that went on that was just crazy right yeah that's what triggered kind of this 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 news spot um was, yeah. was that solar winds uh stuff but yeah, it's it's again, you know, there's a lot of things that you probably should do, especially now as the IoT is taking over, the Internet of Things, everything is connected, your car is connected, your fridge is connected, everything is connected, smart TVs, and you're connecting all your accounts. It's just something that you really need to stay on top of, in my opinion. Yeah, and semiconductors. Yep, <laughs> and semiconductors. Everything's got a semiconductor. We have semiconductors soon. We're going to be three. bionic soon. Um, yeah. So. I have a kimchi semiconductor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Think about that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I can process cabbage semi-well. <laughs> oh, man. We need Tyler back to keep us in check. I know, right? Otherwise, it's all dick and fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's so fucking true. It's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, so hopefully we'll have Tyler back in the next couple of weeks. Um, he's still busy. He's still doing his thing. But he does assure me, assure Phil, that he's will be back once things settle down. So Tyler yeah, will be back. Yeah. Um, so we'll have him soon. We'll be able to, you know. I even think he was, he, was, he was all set to come on this episode, but he was having some technical issues. So he's got to work through that. That's very important. But I know I have full confidence. And... Uh, yeah, it would be good to have him back. Miss yeah, the boy. Exactly. It's it's always fun talking and chatting stuff with him. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of ideas on specials that we want to do, but I want him to be a part of them because uh, he will bring some great views and great info to these specials. So hopefully we can get Tyler back soon. Um, so without further ado, if you like, if you hate, if whatever... Um, you know, there's many ways that you can get a hold of us. Phil, can you tell our awesome listeners how and where they can find us? If you want to catch up with us, you know what? We're all over the internet. You can hit us at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can track us down on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. And you can basically find our show on pretty much anything, anywhere that you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Google Play, you know, anywhere we're gonna, you're gonna be seeing the It's Canon podcast, and uh, be sure to subscribe so you get notified whenever we drop a crazy episode, and leave a rate and review if possible. Thanks very much for uh, giving us your ears for the week. Yep, and we'll see you, I guess, later on this week when we talk Wandavision board. Exactly. So thank you, everyone, for the listen, for the subscribe, for the review, for letting us know what you think of the show. It really does mean a lot to me because as much as I say this show is geek therapy for Phil, myself, for Tyler, you know, we put the show on for entertainment reasons for you. Um, so uh, this week we 
we'll have our WandaVision recap analysis review with Brad and Lisa. Um, that's going to be out on Wednesday. We're recording Tuesday night, so I have some work to do, a show to prepare. And then next week, we'll be back with our news episode. So until then, we are the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast that talks about all things video games, all things comic books, all things books, all things movies, all things toys, all things Lego, all things Muppets, all things privacy, all things tech, all things everything, and Phil... Do you know what the best part of it all is? I'm pretty sure it's all in canon, but I'm not 100% positive. That's right. It's all in canon because it's the It's Canon Podcast, your go-to place for all pop culture. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Goodbye. All right. Done.